And we thought we'd start this year off uh, with a series called Dangerous Faith. Now, I don't know how dangerous you feel this morning. You might have felt a bit dangerous when you woke up this morning, a bit slippy on the old ice out there, I don't know. I certainly nearly went over in my heels. Um, But actually, is our faith dangerous? Do you feel like what we carry within us here as Riverside Church is a dangerously radical power? Because the book of Acts tells us that it is. And the book of Acts tells us that even really if only 10% of the world are convinced of something, we can change that whole world. And yet I don't know about you when you last read the book of Acts, even if you've read it at all, but the book of Acts would make a brilliant film. I've always thought about it. Maybe one day I'll do it. Might need a bit of help with that, but who knows? But I think it is brilliant. It is dramatic and it begins in Acts 1 and in Acts 2 with the new believers being filled with the Holy Spirit. And actually, as they are filled with the Holy Spirit, everything starts to ripple out from that. And I don't know when you start, I'm a New Year's resolution person, I know sometimes we're mocked, I usually fail, but I have to make them, it's very important to me to make them, it's very important to me to be specific about them, um, but I think there's something about how do we ignite at the, at the start of a new year, fresh passion, fresh wonder, as Harry said at the beginning, uh, when actually we might feel we're a bit jaded, a bit exhausted after Christmas, trying to find it. And as I was praying for us this this morning, I just in my, my boiler's fine, but I was looking at the boiler for some reason, and I just thought perhaps there are some of us who feel like the pilot light's gone out. And my boiler last year was making a noise, trying to somehow power up again. And maybe that's us. Maybe that's us as Riverside that we just perhaps feel, how did I end up here? Well, we're going to read right from the very end of Acts, weirdly, and then next week we're going to start at the beginning. Strange, but hopefully you will see why. So I'm only going to look at just three verses from the very end of Acts 28, starting at verse 28. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and he taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't know whether we sometimes miss this as the climax to the end of the book of Acts. If it started with tongues of fire, how does it end up with a guy in a rented flat chained to uh, his jailer, chained to his guard? It's not quite the spectacular ending that we might have thought when we see at the beginning of the whole book that these guys are filled with the Holy Spirit. That in Acts 1 verse 8, we read that when the Holy Spirit comes uh, on you, you will go out, you will take this message out to the ends of the earth. And yet here's Paul, he's made it to Rome and he's in a rented flat and he must have thought, hang on a minute, I've got to Rome. He'd come to Rome for a big court appearance and he hasn't even made it to court. He's in a flat with, with a, a guard that never leaves him, having to find his own uh, money to, for food. If, if you like, he's under house arrest for two years. And 
I, I don't know sometimes, but I, I, my guess is that for a lot of us at the start of this year, through diagnosis of health, through loss of job, through loss of relationship, through all sorts of things, we may feel we're not quite where we thought we would be. And the book of Acts is about place. It's about location. It's about ending up perhaps where we not thought we would be, but nevertheless, powerfully being used by God. I love the last verse of Acts in the message where it says of Paul, and his door was always open. And I I love that when we think of our community groups here at Riverside, when we think of our life groups here, when we think of our homes here, that his door was always open. And although he's not in the courtroom, although he's not preaching to the many, what he is doing, he's sat on his sofa and people are coming in and out and in and out and he's preaching the message from there. We can always, always, always be used by God wherever he places us. And it may feel for you that some of your dreams have been sidelined. You may feel that you are not in a place where you thought you would end up. And yet God has you where he wants you at the start of this year. I firmly believe that. And I also believe that he needs us to rely on his Holy Spirit way more than we ever have done. More and more, as Anne prayed, as we look at the world, as we look at the catastrophe, as we look at some of the tweets that have gone out, even this week, I don't know about you, but I think, am I, is this really happening? Or am I going to wake up and find that this was a film? It is real. But as was prayed, God is real, he's in control, and he has put a power in us that is greater than he that is in the world, a wisdom in us. And when we feel ineffective, when we feel, really, is this where I'm meant to be? God will use us in ways that we may may take us years to find out, years and years to find out, maybe even heaven before we know how it was that we were used in that place, in that surgery, in that hospital bed in that home and so as we look uh, there's a a lovely quote which I really love from Bruce Coburn as we kind of look at Christmas um, finishing off and he says this in a song like a stone on the surface of a still river driving the ripples forever redemption rips through the surface of time in the cry of a tiny baby Uh, Bruce Coburn, a really great Canadian singer-songwriter with a, a real faith and a real radical faith in how the world can be changed. When we put away the decorations, when we sort of walk down our road and it doesn't look as pretty as it did or whatever that is, we know that the cries of the baby still go on. The cries of redemption, the ripples of salvation that we celebrated just a few weeks ago are just as real at the start of the new year and actually just as exciting as we have this sort of epiphany time of looking at, and as as Kramath testified, not always knowing what God's doing, hanging on in there waiting for the time when actually we will will see. Uh, I've been meeting up with a lady, I've met up with her three times and she's a Sikh lady and she asked to see me, she even wanted to pay me <laughs> just to meet up with me. <laughs> I know some of you are thinking that's quite sad having spent time with me um, but, but that's true because she had no pastor, no way of connecting, I did Strength Finder with her a while ago and so she said could she meet up? I, by the way I'm not accepting money from her just in 
case you're a trustee. Um, but that was her offer. And, um, and we've met up three times. And literally all that happens is she comes and sits with me. She talks for just before nearly an hour. I say very little. You might not believe that, but it's true. I say very little. And then at the end, I say, would it be all right if I pray with you? That's the pattern. It's happened three times, and I'm sitting there thinking, she must be thinking, why on earth have I come to see this woman? She says nothing. You know, she then prays to a God I don't know and to a Jesus I don't know, and then I go home. And I have said each time, you don't have to come back. If this is enough for you, I can, you know, point you to other people. I can send you to trained counsellors. She wants to come. And the last time, just before Christmas, she said, Judy, it's worth you knowing that every time you pray in the name of Jesus, I cry. And I never cry. And since everything that's happened to her happens, she said, I never cry. But when I come here and you pray in the name of Jesus, I cry. And she said, isn't it weird that there are only two of us here, but when we pray, there are three. And I, I don't have things happen like that to me very often. And I just got goosebumps because I thought that is the power of the Holy Spirit. That's nothing I have done. I am doing nothing. A little bit like Paul under house arrest. I am sat in my office thinking, is this the best use of both of our time? But actually, yes, it is, because Jesus is present. And Paul has, at the beginning of Acts, he has this incredible conversion, uh, really, really from Saul to Paul, uh, from going against, from persecuting Christians, to actually then saying, I'm following Christ with everything. He knows what it's like to live against, and he knows what it's like to live full out for Jesus. And that's what he does. He gets himself arrested by the mob in Jerusalem, and then spends his time traveling to Rome, thinking that he will be before the greatest court in the land, before Caesar, to plead his case, to say that actually he needs to be let off. And instead, we end this book uh, with him under house arrest, not having yet been to court. If you read the beginning of Acts and uh, you read the verse that I mentioned, you'll say, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And the thing I love about this verse and the thing I would love us, and we're going to pray in a moment for this for one another, is that there's no effort to this. Um, as, as somebody prayed earlier on, I think it was Val, there are a lot of to-dos and should-do-betters, aren't there, at the start of a year. We're all trying to be fitter. We're all trying to be healthier. We're all trying to do a little bit better than we did last year. And if you have that driver, try harder, which a lot of us do, we all kind of begin the year thinking, could do better? Is that just me or is that quite a few of us? I know it's a few of us. And we have that sort of, yeah, didn't perhaps change the world as much before lunchtime as I wanted to last year. And yet this verse says to us that we will be filled with the Holy Spirit and the message will go out. And that, that actually there's not so much effort as sitting and actually taking in the power of the Holy Spirit for him to do his thing when we least expect it. When we're sitting with people, when we're in a waiting room, when we're chatting 
Uh, I was in a coffee shop yesterday, which won't surprise you, and uh, talking, and it was one of those situations where you're really sitting almost with other people and yet trying to have a private conversation. So we were planning someone's wedding, sitting here, and then just literally next door to us, we have this lady sat on her own and uh, ordering cake, and I thought, good on her. She was an old lady just there on her own having a big slab of cake at New Year, and I was a bit fascinated by you know, the fact that you don't often perhaps see that generation out on their own uh, having a cake like that. And uh, we started to talk about other things. We talked about China, the fact that I'm banned from China, and we were laughing about that. And uh, she, uh, she leant over and she said, why are you banned from China? And um, um, we talked about my, my attempts to go to Korea last year and what happened with that and the fact that they, they wouldn't let me in um, to, to China. And uh, talked a little bit about that. And it turned out she was born in China, uh, that her family were there as missionaries. This was her first trip out since her husband died just before Christmas. She hadn't been out for coffee or cake before, but she was determined to do it without him. She hasn't yet had the funeral, so a uh, very similar situation in a way, but she'd come out for coffee and cake because it was something that they used to do together. We had a lovely conversation. Her name was Joyce, and she asked for us to pray. And again, you're sat in a coffee shop. It's not rocket science. Nobody's going to say to me, well done for being in a coffee shop, Judy. Good for you getting out there. No. The Spirit is in us. And when the Spirit is in us, he brings people to us. And that, that is effortless. It's effortless. It's an eavesdrop conversation. It's a dropped wallet and you pick it up and you chat to somebody. Those are the opportunities. And that's what Paul did at the height, if you like, of his ministry, where Rome began to be changed like never before. He was in a flat. It wasn't on a stadium, on a podium. He was in a flat with another guy. I don't know what he must have thought. Um, and so we can take real encouragement, uh, I think, from that. Interestingly, when we look at revival, and I hope that is our prayer for Birmingham this year, we looked last year about us thriving so that our church thrives, so that our city thrives, that our group life thrives, that we thrive personally. In China, there were just under a million Christians, and it moved from that to 38 million Christians. And now there are more Christians in China than ever before and more communism more repression and yet the church just can't help but grow wouldn't that be great you know it feels topsy-turvy that it's trying to be put out and yet it can't stop growing and people are risking their lives daily for that in North Korea and in China and when asked what had happened what were the locations that saw revival somebody who'd been studying revival in China said that actually there were four key locations that was significant for revival. One was the court, the law, if you like, the fact that actually there were people who were prepared to stand out. And I, I think the law of our land now is secularism, don't you? That's what, the, the, you know, often we think that perhaps it's, it's the enemy or whatever that might be, but secularism is blurring the lines for us. You know, I was in a church, I was in a school meeting uh, just before Christmas and I was told this is not a faith school and the head said, I will stop prayer happening in this school. And that was in front of about 15 people. And I'm quite quiet in these meetings normally, but I just said, oh, just to say, I don't think you'll ever manage to do that. <laughs> 
I said, I can only speak for Christians in the school, but they'll pray whether you stop them or not. You know, and I'm sure that's true for Muslims as well, uh, in a less formal way. But that, that's the reality. You cannot stop us praying, because that's something that we can do in our hearts. But the church grew from the compound, from the missionary compound in China. It broke out and started to go into more public buildings and private buildings. There are now huge churches meeting underground in China. But the most significant, he said the most significant location for China was the kitchen. It would be very tidy if it began with C, but it doesn't have <laughs> four Cs. But actually, the kitchen was where real revival happened. Why? Because it gets into the fabric of Chinese life. We can do all of these things externally, but what about our home? What about our parenting? What about our kitchen? <laughs> we don't mean literally what about our kitchen, or you might do, but actually how is it that we are inviting people into our lives? What is the challenge for you at the start of this year? Who may be new are you going to invite into your lives, into your home, into your kitchen, so that your door will always be open? And can I just say for community groups here, that is a brilliant opportunity to explore location and to explore what the Holy Spirit can do through your locations across this area of South Birmingham, that your door is open, that you're not policing who comes in and out, or we want this person, we don't want this person, that we're actually saying, come on in and experience, taste and see what we have known and what we have experienced, sharing food, sharing lives, and actually the contagion of the Spirit. It's so brilliant to see that Ruth died knowing, absolutely knowing where she was going. And a lot of the credit to that will be her group that stood with her, that prayed with her, that actually did that last walk with her. And that, as, as Harry said, she was so committed to being there. And interestingly, there's a parallel with what happened in China, with what happened in the Apostle Paul. He went from Jerusalem to Samaria to Antioch and finally to Rome. And the gospel went with him. The gospel went with him. And that is God's promise to us as Riverside Church in Bourneville in 2018, that his power is in you, that his gospel is the answer to this world. It's the only answer that I can see, that I can make any sense of, that there is a world beyond this one. Why else would our brothers and sisters in North Korea and even today in Afghanistan be facing firing squads for being Christians? They wouldn't do it if they weren't convinced that it is the only answer, that heaven is the destination. Uh, you will know, uh, I'm, well, a lot of you will know that uh, Richard Vermbrandt and Sabina Vermbrandt uh, started off Release International many years ago and it thrives currently today and we're going to be supporting Open Doors uh, through this series but also Release International and I've worked as an ambassador for Release Women for a few years now. And Richard Vermbrandt who started that organisation with his uh, wife Sabina said this, there was once a fiddler who played so beautifully that everyone danced. A deaf man who could not hear the music considered them all insane. Those who are with Jesus in suffering hear the music to which others are deaf. They dance and do not care if they are considered insane. 
And he said that because people were saying to him, why is it that he risked? He was 14 years in prison, seven of those years in solitary confinement. And yet he's the man who said that there was so much joy in him that he couldn't help but dance. That even though his feet were chained to the floor, his soul was dancing. That has to be the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm finding it hard to click on for some reason. Oh, there I go. Um, also, his wife, Sabina, said this, doing the work of God is dangerous. <laughs> Not doing it is more dangerous. That challenges me, I've got to be honest. I nearly didn't put it in. <laughs> but actually, I kind of feel it's a bit kick-ass, and I think we need a bit of that, don't we? At the start of this year, I know I do that actually not doing it. When we went multi-site a few years ago, I remember reading at the end of the book, uh, deep and wide, um, that actually there may, there may be a cost to what we're doing, and there has been. It's been hard for some of you. It's been tough. Rotors are strained. You're strained at times. But what about if we hadn't done it? Would Ruth have come to faith? We don't know. Ellen's shaking her head. Incredible. Makes me really emotional. You know, the cost of not doing it was too great. The cost of being comfortable was too great. So we've done it, and we won't have got it all right. But we're doing it, and we're doing it together, and we're doing it humbly grateful for the fact that every one of you are pitching in, that we've moved from me to we, that we're doing it as one family. And I thought as we um, are family together, and I apologise if you're visiting, although you might really enjoy this, I don't know. But what I'd love us to do is I'd love us to pray for one another to almost get that pilot light up again. <laughs> uh, to say, do you know what, God? I didn't think I'd end up under house arrest. I didn't think I'd end up where I am, wherever that might be in your life, with a health issue, with a struggle, with something going on relationally, with grief. Um, I would love us to just pray for one another. So if you're comfortable doing that, I wonder if you could get into groups of two or three, maybe a little bit more, there's no science to it, and just pray for the Holy Spirit to fill us. And if you're uncomfortable with that, just listen in, that's fine. But actually, that's, for me, dangerous faith is about being spirit-filled and being wherever God puts you, whether it's a bus queue or whether it's a huge courtroom. Uh, let's um, just bring those prayers to a close and stand together if you uh, are able. And I'd love to just pray for us. Lord, I pray for us as Riverside Church and those who are visiting as well, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that you would fill us with love, with compassion with the fruits of your spirit, to go out into an increasingly dark world and to shine your light, to be the hope of this world as you intended. Lord, thank you that you've put your hope in us. We're amazed, we're humbled, we're a bit bewildered by the fact that you would do that, but you have, and we accept your Holy Spirit now in the name of Jesus. We, ex we expect great things, as Krama said. We expect to be surprised by you this year in all that you have planned. And Lord, for those of us who think we're not where we're meant to be, thank you for the reminder that Paul's powerful ministry was from a sofa. And Lord, that you use us even when it's tough, even when we're chained, even when we are not really living as we thought we would, that you use us powerfully and mightily by your spirit. And we thank you for the truth of this in the name of Jesus.
Amen. Amen.